on the Rebel Sports Network from Learfield. Live from Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Welcome to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming, Be Connected, proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer-driven. Now, here are your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry. We are at a uh, rodeo home away from home this week uh, down at Parkway Tavern over uh, near the M Resort on Dale Avenue. The Runner Rebels uh, getting ready to, to get back to Las Vegas, if not home, with the rodeo at the Thomas & Mack. The Runner Rebels will play two games at the Michelob Ultra Arena at Mandalay Bay. Uh, Seattle University tomorrow night over at Michelob Ultra Arena and then uh, the University of Hartford on Saturday before getting back into the Thomas and Mac for the final two non-conference games of the season next week. And it's uh, it's amazing that we have sped through the, the non-conference portion of the season to this point and are now, uh, now looking at the final four of those games before conference play begins. Hi, everybody. I'm John Sandler, along with Curtis Terry, head coach Kevin Kruger, alongside as well. And uh, uh, CT, uh, Rebels uh, had that first real road trip of the year and, uh, you know, new group and didn't go as well as we would have hoped, but uh, a chance now for a little bit of a bounce back with these final four non-conference games coming up here in Las Vegas. Yeah, it's uh, definitely not not what we wanted, and we'll just kind of leave it at that. But I think it was a learning experience. Um, a lot of positives you can pull from it, even though you don't want to get moral victories. Uh, but like I've been saying, I'm a glass half full kind of guy, so let's take the good from it um, and try to apply that moving forward as long as we continue to show progress. Okay, we'll, we'll get there at the end of the day. And that's what Coach has always talked about. And let's, uh, let's bring him in. Uh, Coach Kevin Kruger joining us. Coach, thank you. Um, you know, you always talk about getting better and getting better. You know it's a new group. You know it's going to take time. Um, were, were you surprised at some of the things that happened in the last couple of games on the, on the true road games? I don't know if surprised is the right word. Uh, you know, the, like you said, it's a new group. I mean, we've got the toughest schedule in the Mountain West by a mile. Like, uh, you know, we're going to have some tough nights. And, uh you know, I think that's to be expected. You never want to have them, but you just kind of know and understand that they're going to happen from time to time. So as uh, CT said, we just got to take the positives and, and continue to try to get better and, and just keep you know, playing better ball as the season goes on. Well, some of the positives relate to some guys who got off to slower starts this year starting to play better. And Justin Webster's name comes to mind. Keyshawn Gilbert continues to improve every time out. Um, Let's let's assess kind of where some of the guys are in, in terms of where you think they need to get to and their progress to get to getting that point. Let's start with let's start with Keyshawn. Okay, yeah, Keyshawn's done an unbelievable job. Of, you know, energy. Uh, you know, he comes in, he guards the ball well. He's uh, he's always a nice spark plug off the bench to to pick the level of intensity up. So I I just think as the season get, continues to go on, him being the only one who's never played college basketball on a roster, uh, he's just going to continue to get better. What are some things that you want to see from him in the short term uh, that, that he knows he's got to work on to, to earn not only earn more playing time but to contribute in all facets of the game? I think he just needs to keep doing what he's doing outside of practice. You know, continue to work on his uh, offensive skill set and you know, keep doing what he's been doing to, to get on the floor uh, so far this year, which is just play hard. Uh, you know, make you know he crashes the offensive glass well. He he's very disruptive defensively, but uh, you know there's going to be a time where he's going to be asked to score more than he is right now. But he's just got to continue to work uh, outside of practice. 
Yeah, I, I mean, the, the ceiling for, for this, this kid is, is pretty darn high. No, it, it really is, and that's why we just want to stay patient and calm with him and uh, you know, not ask him to do things that he's not comfortable doing right now. And I think uh, you know, he's one of those guys that will just continue to get better. You know, one of the kids that I've really been impressed with and, and his, his effort on both ends of the floor has been consistent is Josh Baker. He didn't back down from anybody. He might be a little bit undersized and certainly gets bumped around when he gets inside against those big guys, but he's not afraid. No, Josh's done a really good job. He's, uh, you know, coming from junior college, he's, it's an adjustment, but uh, he's worked hard every day. He's, he continues to, you know, see the bigger goal, and, and I think that's something that's just been important with this group, and he, uh, you know, he really takes that on uh, uh, personally and takes pride in it and, and just keeps working. Has he had some trouble finding... Uh, his looks from outside because I know he's a really good shooter. I think so, a little bit, and that just comes with the adjustment to the game. Uh, you know, the the difference in junior college versus uh, Division One, and you know he shot it very high in, in junior college, and I think he'll continue to shoot it better as the year goes on. CT, what do you what have you seen from Josh and and and, and Keyshawn, and and what are your impressions of them, and as you project going forward? I uh, just see two young guys that just want to keep working. Um, but you can say that with everybody on the roster. Nobody gets defeated uh, in the moment. They want to bounce back. But you can see, like, the disappointment in their face when they aren't successful. Or like when Keyshawn, there's a couple of times he picks up some of those fouls. Uh, and I was saying on air that he's in a good spot position-wise defensively, but there's one thing here or there where he'll throw his arm out and grab or hold or push where I think he's going to learn those things just over time with experience. Um, but I just love their, their effort. Um, they're hungry. They want to get better. Uh, and they don't back down. And so regardless of what happens or what the outcome is, they're still, for lack of a better term, balls to the wall and ready to get after it. And, uh, and, and you know, other guys who, who really put forth that kind of effort, uh, but, but I think are, are finding out that, that becoming a regular player and being on that scouting report, uh, Royce Ham comes to mind. I mean, he started the year, you know, House of Fire, just double-double and, and, you know, career highs in both points and rebounds in the first game. And, and people started to take notice. And now, you know, there, there might be two bodies on him when he, when he tries to go to the glass. Or there might be extra help coming when he tries to make a post move. Uh, but, uh, you know, Royce is a guy, as you talk about all the time, how positive he is. And he's just going to learn and, and make adjustments and continue to be such an important element for the Runner Rebels. Yeah, I think you said it. Uh, you said it well. With the Royce is a, probably a little higher on scouting reports, but uh, and he's earned that. You know, he goes out and has a, a great start to the season with a lot of a lot of rebounds, important blocks, uh, strong finishes at the rim. So now that he's somebody that they're uh, preparing for, and so it, it's a little different when their role and responsibility uh, goes up a little bit, and other teams are, are a little more focused on you than maybe before, but. Royce is still doing all the same great things that he did in the first handful of games. They just might not be showing up statistically. Is he? Would you consider him to be one of the, the real vocal leaders on this team? No question. I mean, he's the same guy that you see in the games every day in practice. He talks. He, uh, he, he roots for his teammates. He's a great guy in the locker room. He's, he's great in the huddles and the timeouts. So, uh, you know, he's, he's absolutely an emotional leader for this group. Guys seem to respect him. They they. When he speaks up, the the heads definitely you know turn to his way. They do because they know he does everything right. Uh, he does everything that he's asked to do to the best of his ability, and, and that earns you the credibility in the locker room and uh, with the coaching staff. So that when you do have something to say, people listen. Needs a little help down there though, and and hopefully that help is coming. Uh, I know uh, Vic was a full participant in practice. 
I know you've been, you know, easing him back in in terms of the, the workload, but uh, uh, are we going to get a chance, do you think, to see him in, in the near future? Yeah, I, sh- I sure hope so. I think, you know, he's day-to-day as, the, as he has been, but, you know, that, I think that's something that this team, you know, coming together, new group, you know, and the first thing they deal with is losing, you know, 7-1 James Hampshire to shoulder and Vic Wachor, another guy who's going to play in the post to, with his shoulder. So, you know, and they've battled back. We've played really small lineups at times, asked guys to do things they haven't been asked to do, and it's been a little unfair to them because nobody's seen some of them play more minutes at their natural positions or where they're more comfortable, but they've had to do what they've had to do because we're in the position we're in. What does Vic or what will Vic when he gets in there, what will he bring? Oh, he's very physical. You know, he's an incredible athlete. Uh, he just has a presence on the floor. So he's somebody that, you know, he helps your rebounding immediately. He helps your overall defense immediately. And, uh, and, and one thing he'll really do offensively early is uh, help with the offensive rebounding. Him and Royce being able to crash together, uh, things like that, you know, giving Royce a little bit of a breather uh, so we can just be relentless on the offensive glass is something we've been sorely missing. Is it your, your hope and your plan to try to have them on the court at the same time? Yeah, I think we'll take a look at that. We'll see how that works. And, uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, we still got to put them in the best position for them to do well. So, uh, but as the rest of the guys have done, they've, they've done exactly what we've asked them to do. Uh, we're in the situation we're in with injuries. A handful of teams are. So uh, it doesn't really change anything, but it might change what you ask them to do on a daily basis. I mean, and Kevin, obviously it's not ideal that you guys have had a couple guys out, haven't been at full strength yet this season. But what positives do you see that this can bring for you guys later in the year in terms of lineups and adjustments that you guys can make moving forward? I think, uh, yeah, the, the lineups that we had to play, uh, you know, is asking guys not to do or to do something they may not be used to uh, against the schedule that we've had right. is where it'll, it'll pay off. And, uh, you know, when we go to uh, Logan, Utah to play Utah State and we go to uh, San Diego to play San Diego State. They'll seen they'll have seen those crowds and those environments as a group together. You know, they, of course they've all seen them at the other schools they were at, but they haven't didn't have an opportunity until being here and going to those road games uh, of seeing that atmosphere together. And so I think as much as anything, that's where it'll it'll pay off in the long run. The 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 key to the this season is obviously going to be how quickly and how well this group gels. Their roles their support for one another, all of that. Give us your assessment of how that's gone to this point and, and what you think you need to do to, to help accelerate that process. Yeah, I think I, I actually think it's gone well. Uh, I mean, I know we're, our record's not where we'd like it to be, but, uh, you know, this was an incredibly demanding and, and tough schedule, and we, we didn't shy away from it. We could have gotten out of any of the games that were already predetermined, and, and we decided not to with this group because we thought uh, they'd learn from it and they'd grow from it and uh, and they'd go fight and compete and and that's what they've done. Uh, you know they, you know the two road games we played aren't easy places to play no. and so, you know other people, believe it or not, will lose there as well. And so the, you know having these opportunities to go and and play these teams and the Roman main event, you know number two ranked UCLA, on our home court without having a lot of time together is something that. Uh, again, we think they, they, they embraced it, they, they enjoyed playing in it, and, and, they, and they learned from it. You talk about how those games are going to help the guys uh, in, in dealing with tough environments and playing against really good opponents in the Mountain West Conference. And if we've learned one thing uh, in, this, in this non-conference season thus far about the conference is that 
it, it's pretty deep. It's it's really good at the top, but there's some there's some talent and there's some quality teams uh, throughout the conference, and and you're not going to have a night off uh, in the conference the way you might have had uh, in, in years past. But is that something that this idea of, of the hard schedule, uh, having having played the hard schedule, as you said, much harder than anybody else in the conference uh, in terms of non-conference schedule, is that something that that just sort of happens, or do you talk about it with the guys? Uh, we don't necessarily talk about it. We just talk, we don't talk about the teams individually, but we talk about them being battle tested and uh, you know playing in a in a really tough MTE at T-Mobile against Michigan and Wichita and going on the road to play SMU and San Francisco, uh, a, you know, just giving them those opportunities to be battle tested. Uh, we just don't really feel at the end of the, at the end of the year, you're, everyone, a lot of people are going to judge by the overall win and loss record, but that doesn't necessarily, uh, that's not exactly the way we look at it because everybody's schedule is different. You know, some people don't challenge themselves at all in the non-conference and some people go and play everybody. So you can't take the overall win and loss and just look at it and decide whether or not the season was a, success or a failure I think for us this year we've got to keep getting better all our goals are still attainable and uh, so that's the message we keep sending to the guys every day from a player's perspective Curtis uh, do, do you consciously say oh okay we played UCLA we played Michigan we played Wichita State at, at SMU at San Francisco all really tough good games uh, we, we are going to be better for it or is it something you, that just sort of happens and it, you prove it to yourself I mean, it's a, it's a good thought. It's, it's easy to say that. But I think in the moment, I, I didn't. Uh, you you want to win. You want to compete. You, you want to put your best foot forward. But, again, from our, sta- our standpoint, the coaches, we understand that, right? I mean, Kevin sees what's going on there. No, this is not the easiest schedule. Other people should be able to see that if they know a thing or two or, or read anything. Um, but, again, it's not how you get there. It's if you get there. And I think this will make them better for it. But I think in the moment, they probably don't grasp that. And they're struggling with how they're going through these losses. Um, and it starts to get defeating. But I think what we've seen so far is this group is resilient. They're not backing down. And um, they're just not quite getting over that hump. Again, on uh, on Saturday night, you, you put up I mean, 30-plus good minutes. And then things kind of start to, to fall apart there. Um, but, again, I think they're showing progress. And so... Uh, it's not the outcome you want, but I think if they keep going through the process, they're going to get to the finish line of, of where they want to be. Well, that's, uh, you know, I, I agree wholeheartedly that all of the, the challenges that they've gone through, uh, you know, are going are gonna to pay off in the end. And, the, you know, the question is, when do we start seeing it? And hopefully it, it, it starts tomorrow night with a game against CLU over at, uh, at the Michelob Ultra Arena. Take a break, come back, and let's get into a little bit of uh, some more of what, what Coach Kruger wants to see from his team as they get ready for the conference schedule, only four non-conference games left, and it starts tomorrow night over at Michelob Ultra. Tickets are still available, and uh, uh, it's a it's a it's a great little arena and a, a great place to play. And Rebels very fortunate, uh, you know, Kevin. Before we get to break, I mean, you remember the days, Curtis. You remember the days of when the rodeo was in town, and uh, there was no Michelob Ultra Arena or or uh, T-Mobile or MGM Grand Garden or even an Orleans Arena, and. Uh, Rebels were out uh, like nomads <laughs> in the wilderness playing uh, playing it all over. It's it's pretty nice to have the, the options of playing here, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I remember when we were playing, you couldn't uh, couldn't play an arena with a sports book. Right. And uh, <laughs> times have changed, haven't they? Well, times have changed a little bit, and it, but yeah, it's nice to be to know we are home until the beginning of January, and you know the guys can get back in their routine and and be back in their own bed and, and finish school. And, uh, yeah, because that was another thing, you know, playing here, you had to 
move around and, and figure out your academics as well. So having those opportunities is uh, it's nice to be back home. It's great. And it, uh, like I said, starts tomorrow night at Michelob Ultra against Seattle U. Fans, remember EOS is a better gym, better price. EOS Fitness, proud partner of UNLV Athletics. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from uh, Parkway Tavern tonight on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. All right, back at Parkway Tavern uh, on Dale Avenue down by the M Resort. Kevin Kruger Radio Show, John Sandler, Curtis Terry, head coach Kevin Kruger, Nick Murphy engineering alongside Steve Cofield will join us in just a couple of minutes. Talking Runner Rebel basketball. Runner Rebels getting ready for a pair of games this week over at the Michelob Ultra Arena. A little staycation at Mandalay Bay, as Curtis calls it. Uh, tomorrow night, Seattle University, a school with some uh, tremendous basketball history on the West Coast. Uh, easy trivia question. Greatest player in Seattle U history, CT? You got it? No? Elgin Baylor? There you go. Easy one. I told you. <laughs> Very easy. With a great you Elgin you were going to ask the Seattle area. Oh, yeah, I know my answer is to that one. Yeah. Jason, the Jet Terry. <laughs> I was expecting you to say yourself. I'm from Tacoma. And the real answer is Elgin Baylor, Jason, <laughs> the Jet, just, just slightly behind. But nonetheless, uh, great history at Seattle U and a uh, team uh, playing very well this year, 7-1, and one, heading into this game tomorrow night against the Runner Rebels. And then a uh, uh, very interesting story with Hartford, University of Hartford coming in on Saturday and their situation uh, this is a team that made the NCAA tournament last year, won their conference, and right after they won the, they played in the NCAA tournament, they got beat by Baylor, the eventual champion. Uh, their board voted to go to Division Three in a couple of years. It's it's the it's an incredibly strange story. They're trying to fight it. They're trying to get back and stay in Division One, but uh, it's a it's a really weird uh, happenstance, uh, probably driven by finances more than anything else, but. Uh, uh, Rebels don't care. They're going to play, play, play Hartford on, on Saturday regardless. Uh, talking with Coach Kruger about, about his club and, and where they are and, and uh, talking about some of the guys. We were talking about Justin Webster briefly uh, and how he has had uh, uh, more of that comfortable look the last couple of times out on the floor. Yeah, I think uh, you know it probably started with Webb with the Whittier game. You know, he was able to get out there, get comfortable, get uh, get some open looks, and just kind of get into a rhythm. And then uh, carrying that over, uh, you know, even through you know UCLA, and uh, then of course having a uh, really good game in Dallas at yeah. SMU. Um, so yeah, ha- having that is going to be nice for us going forward. That trust and uh, confidence that Webb has to go out and play and. Uh, he, he's shown more lately of the player that he's uh, capable of being and the one that uh, we'll need him to be. Are you a believer, Kevin, in, in the practice that some schools do? If you get a recruit from a certain area, you might try to schedule a game uh, back home for them on an occasional basis? Um, it, it, yeah, that one wasn't uh, I, I know that intentional, was just, yeah. but, um, yeah, that was the return game from SMU coming here a couple years ago. and. Uh, yeah, we're not opposed to that at all, though. If uh, if that's a, if we can get back closer to some of the recruits uh, that are coming in here from out of state, so their family can have an opportunity to see them an extra time, as opposed to some of the other ones, uh, and see their their sons play an extra time, I think uh, that's something that we'll want to do. Yeah, I remember a few years ago when Jimmer was at BYU, they went and played a game up in upstate New York uh, at, at, against Binghamton or someone like that. Over, you know, everybody looked at the schedule and said, what the heck is that? And it, it was because that's where he grew up. Oh, yeah. And they got close to home. We, Rebels played a game in Portland 
where Mike Moser grew mm-hmm. up and uh, did that uh, kind of thing. I think I think it's a it's a neat thing to do if 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 it's at all possible. Oh no question, no question. And they feel good. You know, we got a chance to see uh, Justin's family and. You know, some of the other kids from Texas uh, came over. Uh, their family's coming over from the Houston area, Dallas area. So uh, it, it was nice to see them. We've talked about two of the kids from Texas. We talked about Royce in the first segment, talked about Justin. Donovan Williams, uh, another guy who's, who's kind of going through that adjustment period, new team, new role, new situation. Uh, the potential there, again, uh, you know, sky's the limit. Yeah, Donovan's a guy that, uh, you know, has a lot of ability. and uh, But he's also one of those guys that we've asked to do something he hasn't you know, done a lot growing up uh, with James and Vic being out. He's been asked to guard guys in the post a lot bigger than him. Um, and we're, we're just continuing to work with him on, on seeing the making the offensive advantage outweigh the defensive disadvantage. And uh, and he's done a good job with that. He's shooting the ball really well right now, so we're, we're encouraging him to look for more opportunities to catch and shoot it. And But, uh, yeah, Donovan's one of those guys that, that we're excited to have. And, and just kind of staying on him to keep working and, and getting better, and because as you said, the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, it felt kind of bad watching him try to guard Big Masalski of uh, of San Francisco in the post. I mean, you know, he couldn't see around him, let alone guard him. Yeah, it's, it's not really a great matchup for him defensively. <laughs> there, wasn't, there wasn't anything else they could do. I was going to jump in when you when you put on the film. Like, what can you actually tell Donovan? You know, in spite of the size disadvantage, like how he can better defend him. A big guy like that. Yeah, it's tough because, uh, you, you know, you don't want to give him the same look. You know, when you're at a, a size disadvantage, uh, even on the perimeter, or if you're at a quickness disadvantage on the on the perimeter or size disadvantage in the post, you don't want to give him the same look. So you, we really just encourage him to just, just change it up, what we call circle. So, you know, front him one possession. Uh, you know, stand kind of behind him in a little cat and mouse, trying to get him to catch off, off the block farther where they're a little more uncomfortable. But we also put pressure on the rest of the team to not make those passes easy. Because uh, they can really help out the undersized defender if they make it harder uh, for that guy to catch exactly where he wants to catch it. And and so much of college basketball now is trying to dictate you know what lineup is going to be on the floor and winning the battle, especially if there's a to me if there's a disparity between bigs and smalls. Right, you have a smaller team, they're a bigger team, and you're trying to make them go smaller. And that, that, I know that happened. Donovan pointed it out at one moment uh, in the UCLA game, Miles Johnson was out there, and, and I think Miles Johnson looked, he's a big guy for UCLA, and he was matched up against Donovan. He's like, okay, what's going on here? And they actually took him out. I thought Donovan had some moments on offense where, I mean, he, he made guys look silly. How do you get in those situations more and take advantage of situations like that where Donovan can really punish someone who's out there who's 260 pounds? Well, I think that's just, that's the challenge. You know, I think there's been a handful of times this year where we've played against maybe a, a quote-unquote bigger team, and, uh, you know, they've matched accordingly to us and and they've changed their lineup to more fit our guards playing five guards and and again that's that's something that you know we don't want to do a ton but as we talked about a minute ago uh having these guys play in those situations probably just in the long run gives us another weapon once we get back to full health uh so you know if a team's preparing for us to see a lot of of Vic, Royce, and, and David out there, and then we can have the opportunity to throw out five guards and not give up much defensively. You know, that's just a bonus for us. So, uh, no, but again, you know, talking about Donovan, uh, you know, pretty appreciative and thankful for him to, you know, kind of put his pride aside a little bit and do this while we've been, because uh, we got thin pretty quick. I mean, we, you know, you come watch us in the fall and you talk about our size and the strength that we have in some of these guys, and then when you lose your two, two or your three biggest ones, you, you know, you get thin pretty quick, and and you combine that with 
I mean, the size of some of the teams we've played, you know, it's just uh, not exactly the best recipe. But uh, we fought, we battled, and uh, they've done everything we've asked them to do. And again, we had, you know, you saw a situation, I know Curtis pointed it out, when Tape was trying to cover Bryce yeah. in the open floor, my Lord. No chance, right? Yeah, that was tough. And you could see him getting frustrated. Yeah, and, and I mean, Bryce, throughout his career, has just gotten better and better and better at, at recognizing those mismatches and then exploiting them. Um, and, he, you know, he, he's, so, he's so tough to guard regardless that if, if someone is, is just physically not equipped to do so, um, you know, no chance. As Curtis, Curtis's favorite expression is next. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I don't want to have to use that anymore, though, with Bryce in this situation. Yeah. That's, that's old Bryce. <laughs> okay. We've got a new Bryce. No more of that. There you go. Well, you know, and speaking of Bryce and, and Donovan, those guys, uh, you know, obviously uh, did not start the last game and uh, uh, got a chance to, to get other guys in and also, uh, you know, let, let guys know that uh, you have a certain standard that you expect. Well, yeah. No, it was just something that, you know, I was talking with uh, Mike and, and, and Bryce and Donovan, and, and we were just talking about getting off to slow starts. And, you know, we just couldn't quite put our finger on it. And we had talked about the uh, possibility of making a change just to see if we could get uh, a little different result at the beginning. And, you know, they, they understood it. There was no, no f- fight back from the three of them. They, they knew that the starts we were getting off to uh, weren't what we needed. Uh, we are putting ourselves in, in a little bit of a hole. And unfortunately, we did the same thing at San Francisco, but uh, fought back to make it a five-point game. Uh, you know, I think nine-point game or seven-point game with uh, nine minutes left. So, but if you if you take that, make it an even start instead of down ten off, right off the bat, uh, it's a little different scenario going into those last ten minutes or that under twelve timeout. And and as we're still that's still something we're looking for. We've uh, we got to figure that out. We can't just uh, we can't take our time to get into the game. We uh, we got to come out swinging a little more and and hopefully tomorrow night we can do that. Is it? Does it? amplify the the challenge of integrating 10 new guys uh, when you get in those situations when you fall behind early because there isn't that sense of okay we've all been through this before together and we know how to get out of it no no question I mean even if you take San Francisco for example you could tell they've been in those situations I mean some of those guys have been together for four and five years uh, playing for even Kyle Smith before Todd and you know moving over to play for Todd and you know you could see you could sense it a little bit that they had been there before and, and they knew what was going to happen, a kind of a similar situation that we talked about last week. You know, those guys are, are looking around and, and understand it, and they, they know what each other is going to do. And, uh, but that, that's, this is an opportunity for us the next time that we're in an under-12 timeout and we feel that we're, you know, if we're down seven, down nine, or what, what not, we can, we can point back to these opportunities or to these games, and we can say we've been in this spot before. We've got to do something different. You know, we got to change something. And, uh, and that's where that experience and the, the benefit of having this schedule comes in. You know, and fans are going to say, well, well, how long does that take? And I don't know that there is an objective answer. There's, you know, it isn't, okay, it's after 10 games or after one year or, or whatever it is. Every group's different. Well, judging, if, I don't think fans are going to ask. I think they're going to tell you that <laughs> eight games is plenty from what I've been told right. uh, the last two days. But, uh yeah, no, I think uh, it's something I, you, you wish you could put a time limit on it. or But uh, I just don't think going into those environments and playing against San Francisco that's proving to be in, in the advanced metrics a top 30 team on the road, uh, a veteran group, I just don't really – we don't see as a coaching staff where that can harm us. And, uh, yes, we would have loved to have had a better result or had a, you know, gotten beat on a last-second shot versus uh, the way it ended up. But – 
uh, we, we truly believe this is something that will expedite that. And, you know, we, 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 we've still, as uh, we talked about, gotten better. You know, the, the schedule's tough. It's demanding. And, uh, uh, of course, we would have liked a different result. We would have liked it to, to be a little different, but it is what it is. So we're either going to learn from it and get better, or we're going to uh, have another learning opportunity. Is the, is the potential harm frustration boiling over? Like, how do you, how do you manage that, obviously? Mike Nuga was very worked up after the game, and he's an emotional guy. So how do you make sure you cap that and make it into a positive? Uh, well, I, I actually see, I, you know, I saw somewhere that somebody talked about that being a negative. I think that's absolutely laughable. I think that's a joke. I think uh, anybody who's been on a team knows that passion and energy is important. And if the guys sat there, honestly, after San Francisco and just changed and just got into their stuff right. to then get back on the problem. plane, then you got, you a, got problem. a problem. Yeah. And they didn't. Guys were vocal, and they weren't pointing fingers at each other. They were, they were communicating. They were taking ownership. Uh, you know, they were challenging each other, but in a great way. So, you know, that was no, – we left that – the coaches didn't raise their – we didn't have to raise our voice one time. You know, it, it, they talked, and it was great. This is not a group that it was expected by anybody outside of who was on that plane to go in there and beat San Francisco, right? Not one person off that plane did. And if they said that, they're lying which is, is fine, but that's the standard they've set. They expect to do better. And so when you've got a guy emotional, and there were other guys in there too, uh, but when you've got those guys doing that, it's nothing but positive because even if there is a problem, you can then iron it out. And if they don't say anything, they just get changed, try to get their, their meal and get on the plane, as CT just said, that's when you've got a problem. As and, you, uh, I'm sorry, John. I was going to say, as you, as you hone your role, right, because mm-hmm. you're growing as a head coach, how do you – um, deal with the officials, right? I, I know. I thought this game, you were talking to the officials probably more than any other game, right? Um, is there a process to make sure that you're getting what you need from the officials? Yeah, I mean, I think that's just something that's going to learn. A lot of the, the communication with the officials, honestly, is a little bit of small talk. Uh, just knowing these guys for as long as, as I have uh, and then having them also ref my dad's games when he was coaching, there's that kind of line of communication where if there is a break in the action or a free throw, uh, it can, you know, they might just say, how you doing? You know, how's it going? You know, keep working. And it's something like that. But, yeah, I was probably a little more vocal uh, this time around. Uh, and some of that's probably, as CT knows me, a little bit of maybe even uh, anxiety, uh, you know, just being smaller, you know, almost anticipating what's coming as a coach. But, uh, yeah, I think that's something uh, I think I've got a good relationship with the officials we've had so far. And, uh not in anything other than I, I feel I can talk to them and they feel that they can talk to me so far. And that's what, that's what I said to John, you know, after I talked to you at the half, I said to John, you know, Kevin has been talking to the officials a lot, but I think it's basically a conversation like, hey, we got to get some respect here. We're the smaller team. It's getting real physical out there. I'm you know, not putting words in your mouth, but I assume that was kind of what it was about because it was a physical game and maybe you guys weren't getting all that you should get from the officials. Well, and, that, and it, that's actually a great point that you bring up because we talk to our guys a lot, and what we've been working on a lot even the last week or two is that it, it's a cliche in basketball, but it's true, is that the aggressors get the calls. And, uh, and not dirty, not, you know, fouling or anything, but if you're, if you're consistently physical, um, you know, that 50-50 call might go your way. And, and I don't think San Francisco was fouling us any more than what the officials called, but... Uh, no, I, I know what you're referencing, and I, I was just kind of asking a technicality question on a, on a, on a screen that was said. If it, it was more of a question of did he see, did I see the same thing he saw? 
and uh, he just explained what he had saw, so I just went on to the half because uh, from where I was standing, he had a better look at it anyway, so and we moved on. You know, you, Steve, you, you brought up the, the some of the reaction post-game uh, in San Francisco, and my, my take on it, especially now hearing that reinforced by what Kevin said in terms of uh, the fact that, you know, the players were, were sort of self-policing and self-monitoring self, um, and kind of having their own discussion. A lot of good can come out of that. And, uh, and you know, th- this can galvanize a group uh, going through that kind of an adverse- adversity. And I know that's the hope. Yeah, I mean, no, you know, nothing. I mean, pick your cliche, you know. What, what, I mean, what's a good <laughs> what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. What doesn't kill you stronger, you know. No pain, no gain. Smooth sailing doesn't make There's for a good There's nowhere to go sailor. but up from nowhere here. I mean, that's what I mean. But yeah. oh, I was just throwing out all the cliches we could go. Huh? <laughs> wasn't just any cliche. You know, like a little, yeah, not any. <laughs> Stitch in time. This Can't guy. get any worse. No, I'm just wondering. Yeah. No, but, you know, a little adversity, is, it, it's a good, I mean, how do you expect to get stronger? How do you expect to, to figure things out if you only have to face a, a tough time once? You know, so, um, no, that, that, that's the absolute truth. Anybody that's been on, on sports teams knows you or good sports teams, good, no, good, good teams you're going to have. Yeah, or any team for that matter. And you could probably point to the bad teams and say you didn't have that. Right. Or you had finger pointing or you had blame. Yeah. And you can always point to the good ones where two guys can talk. And, uh, yeah, you you, rep, you you mentioned Mike being very passionate and, and, and emotional. And, and that, you know, when it's, when it's at himself or when it's, inc- you know, wanting to do more, it's one thing. If he was doing that at someone else, you know, you mentioned me being a, a, a new coach. That it, it, there was a lot of truth to that too. I was just kind of sitting there, it, it, sitting in there, just trying to make sure that it didn't get there, and it didn't. So I didn't really feel like I needed to say much. We just kind of sat and and listened, and and provided very little uh, feedback for him. We just kind of let him talk to each other. And again, I think that's. Uh- Bit my tongue long enough. I think that's what the key thing is here. Because when that comes out, people think, "Oh my gosh, the the, the wheels are falling off this thing, and um, the ship is going down, and the house is going to burn up." But that means that they actually care. Because, like Kevin said, I mean, if you're in there and guys just change, and I've been on teams like that where guys just change their shoes, whatever, don't even shower, and no change in reaction, we're screwed. That's when you're like, "Oh man, this, no matter how hard we work, we're never going to get over this hump." Because this so-and-so. Because they don't care. They don't care. Right. But in that case, he's showing his passion. He wants to get better. He's committed to it. And I think that's a good thing, especially with the new group. They're trying to figure out who each other are still, I think. And so, you know, if somebody cares like that, you're like, wow. Didn't know that side of Mike. I can get behind that. He really cares. He's invested, regardless of how much fun he has off, off the court, on the plane, or when we're traveling. And I think those are the things that make a team a team. And that's how you grow from that. And I think you're going to get better from that moving forward. Um, but again, I, like Kevin said, if if you think that's a bad thing, you have no idea what you're talking about, and uh, we'll just end that conversation there. All right, time for a break. Fans, remember that Finley Chevrolet, located in the southwest at 215 in South Rainbow, it's Nevada's number one Chevrolet volume dealership, and frankly, they're customer-driven. More of the Kevin Kruger Radio Show on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. All right, back at Parkway Tavern. Coach Kruger Radio Show, getting ready for uh, Seattle University, the Red Hawks, tomorrow night. Michelob Ultra Arena over at Mandalay Bay. Tickets still available, and uh, come on out. Should be a lot of fun. Great little arena, and a, another chance for the Runner Rebels to, to be in Las Vegas during the rodeo. And uh, we haven't really talked about it. Uh, John Sandler, 
Curtis Terry, Steve Cofield, Kevin Kruger. Steve, I'm sure you've talked about it quite a bit, but the the effect, positive, negative, whatever, of the explosion of sports in this market on the Run and Rebel program. You, you've seen it in the sense you've been here the last few years. You've certainly seen it in comparison to the way it was when you played here. Um, you know, I, I've lived here probably longer than, than any of the four of us, and it's been just remarkable. Steve, you deal with it on a daily basis. But is there anything tangible that you can sort of put your finger on, something where, where you've seen, okay, this has had, had an impact on our program, whether it's, it's something here in Las Vegas or recruiting or, or anything like that? I think it's definitely something, the talking point with recruits and their families is that this is becoming, or it has become the sports capital of the world. And not just basketball. You know, it started out that this was the basketball capital of right. the world. And, you know, that's when Summer League was here, USA Basketball was here. But now, uh, you know, we're we're hearing about other sports using UNLV facilities to prepare to go to a tournament that they're not even, that's not in Vegas. And they're not from Vegas. So it's it's kind of... You're just hearing those stories here and there where it used to be few and far between or a special occasion, and you'd want to go over and see over, whether it be soccer, softball, baseball, whatever it may be. And now it's just a little more routine to it to the point where you're just like, yeah, okay, you know, that makes sense. That's, that's kind of normal. But, uh, yeah, I think the talking point specifically for us for basketball is just the, the, the want that everybody wants to be here. I mean, I, I've, we've lost count of the conference tournaments that are in Las Vegas with only one college basketball team you know the mountain west is here of course and we're but we're here you know nobody else no other college teams in vegas but we have three four five other conference tournaments here uh i'd be shocked if we didn't have a super bowl and a final four here pretty quick yeah, so and it's become such a big event city i mean we had what fifty-eight thousand in the building for the pac-12 title game um i wonder if it's actually normalized recruiting a little bit because the fact that it's more recognizable now around the country with the uh, major league sports and it's also I would assume it's knocked down those, those final old thoughts like, oh, Vegas, can I send my kid to Vegas? Oh, it's like we're, everyone's here. We all know, live a normal life, and for the most part, everyone behaves themselves on the athlete front. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I think uh, like you, you don't still get – do you still get that where parents are like, well, it's Las Vegas. I'm a little bit worried. A little bit, yeah, but I, I think that's because the parents have too much fun. <laughs> <Okay>. I mean, <laughs> I, I think, you know, when you're, when you're a 17-year-old visiting a college campus, you're going to probably do the same thing at every single college visit you go to. If you're somebody that likes to go out and party with the team, you're going to go party. You know, and if you're somebody who wants to play video games and hang out, you're going to play video games and hang out. And uh, the opportunity, you know, there, there's more opportunities here, but I think it's for a, for a more specific crowd. And obviously, you know, it's hard to do things under 21 here down on the Strip anyway. So, but I, yeah, we hear the concern from the parents, but uh, we show them where the guys live, you know, where they spend every day and how it's not, really near the strip or any trouble but i think that's more for their peace of mind i think the 17 year olds are are thinking about going out and partying on the strip right. every night um i want to make sure this is clear with compliance Kyron Lindsay, fair topic right he signed he signed he signed yes he signed. he signed um so we had a chance to get him on at the game at smu super impressive kid i loved his enthusiasm like to the point where he was like he's like i'm ready to come now which, which I thought spoke well about you guys recruiting him, the coaching staff and all that, and your ties in Texas. But he seemed to have, like, a real enthusiasm for coming here to Vegas. Well, exactly. And, and to, you, to your point, you know, he's somebody who wants to come to UNLV, which is really important, as you guys know, when, when recruiting. You know, you know, Vegas is a great place. It's a great opportunity. Uh, obviously, with name, image, and likeness, it's going to be an 
even more attractive uh, and enticing place for high school kids. But, uh, you know, Kai wanted to come to UNLV to play with these guys or the majority of these guys to play for these coaches. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that I could even sense that after the game. He had a big smile on his face. Uh, you know, the first thing he says to me was, sorry about the loss, coach. You know, but he's still, you know, he's got that smile. He's got an infectious personality. And, uh, you know, I think uh, he's going to have a lot of fun being here. People are going to like him here. And, and he's going to fit in pretty well with the group of guys we're going to have. Uh, it, it, it's uh, it's exciting to know that he's he's sort of next on the on the on the stage for the runner rebels with what he has done and what he is doing and talk about a guy who's getting better every time out. It's uh, it's really remarkable to watch his star rise. Well, I want to remind fans uh, that the runner rebels uh, take on Seattle University tomorrow night uh, at uh, Nicola Bolter Arena, uh, and then Saturday afternoon it's a noon tip against Hartford. University of Hartford, same place, Nicola Bolter Arena on Saturday. Uh, one more break, then we'll get into the Red Hawks, talk a little bit about Seattle and what the Rebels face tomorrow night. want to remind you that there are many, many ways to be satisfied at the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Savor the latest and greatest variety of flavors at Bailiwick, All-American Pub and Eatery. Food and fun, it's what they do. We'll be back at Bailiwick next week. But tonight we're at Parkway Tavern, and you're listening to the Kevin Cougar Radio Show on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Fans, remember, Mr. Fry's Man is new to Las Vegas and serving up gourmet fries with endless combinations of meats and sauces. Rebel fans, make sure to sing, uh, swing by for that uh, late-night craving or delicious lunch located on Flam- Flamingo between Maryland Parkway and Cambridge. Check them out, MrFriesMan.com. John Sandler, Curtis Terry, Steve Cofield, and head coach Kevin Kruger. Talking run Rebel basketball. Rebels uh, back in Las Vegas after the road trip and uh, will play the Red Hawks of Seattle University Tomorrow night at the Michelob Ultra Arena, game time, 7 o'clock. Curtis and I and Steve have uh, Runner Rebel warm-up for you starting at 6.30. It's a Seattle team, uh, you know, schedule is what it is, but they've won 7 of 8, and you can't knock that. This is uh, a group that has had success this season. No, absolutely. You know, that's, uh, that's the name of the game. That's the goal, and uh, so they're going to be coming in confident. Uh, they play well together. They've got their guards are aggressive, uh, know how to score it. So it'll be a great challenge, great opportunity for our guys to – you know, again, play somebody else and, and continue to learn and grow. And I'm excited to see the guys back on the floor together after the road trip and, and some of the adversity to see how they, they move on from that and, and, and build from it. Yeah, no, and so are we. I mean, what were our, our last five games were Michigan, Wichita, uh, UCLA, or Whittier, UCLA, and SMU, San Francisco. Yeah, so, six, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's not easy. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, as Curtis talked about earlier, I think the the concern is that you don't want them to lose confidence, you know, because they're, they're good players. They're, they're a good team. And uh, so you don't want them going out there thinking that they can't beat anybody. And uh, But uh, judging by the last couple of days, uh, the, the meals we've had, and the practices, the, uh, the game prep for Seattle, I think they're excited to go out there and, again, play somebody else. How do you, Curtis, as a player, do you do you rebuild that confidence other than just going out and proving it on the floor against another team? Uh, just sticking to the process. I mean, obviously winning helps, making some shots, being successful on the court. Um, but the biggest thing is sticking together and know that your teammates got your back. I mean, if you go out there and people aren't covering their de- defensive assignments, they're not running the plays, I mean, then you're like, what? That, that, what's the point? Why are we out here doing this? Uh, but I think you build confidence by sticking together as a group. And, and that's the one thing that we've seen from these guys, again, 
people showing emotion, that's a good thing. That means they care. So you can find, you can find solace in that and, and confidence in that to get out there and, and do it again, and especially these days in practice. If the guys are committed and working hard, that's a good thing. You know they're going to have your back when you get out there because, again, I've been on teams where guys are like, screw it, we're not going to practice hard, and then you know you're packing it in. Um, so, I mean, like Kevin said, the, the guys are committed to it. They're still a good team. Um, it's been a hell of a schedule, those last five uh, games against Division One teams. And so, um, again, staying confident and sticking after it. So happy to, happy to see where it goes. Coach, after the game, we talked about defending guards and, and Bouye, right? And, uh, you know, there was a little frustration. The guy's shooting bombs off the, you know, off the dribble. It's not supposed to happen from an analytic standpoint. So what did you take from that that, you know, maybe you take defensively to future games where you're not getting beat from deep or you just stick to what, what you were doing because the, those things shouldn't happen? I think, yeah, I mean, from an analytic standpoint, you stick to what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the dribble three has proven with, with just over years, decades, that it's not a, a good shot until a certain point in the clock. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you just got to tip your hat to Booyah. He made some incredibly tough shots. Yes, he did. He, but uh, he did get in rhythm. Could we, we, looking back, of course, could have adjusted, should have adjusted myself. You know, we could have changed something. But we still felt at that time that the likelihood he makes another one was less than uh, him getting into the paint and driving and kicking and getting somebody else a, a good look. But, uh, no, I, I think uh, that's something we talked about a bunch, you know, is, is we can't go out in this game now and start running around, you know, and being selfish defenders. We've got to stay strong, stay together, uh, and, and trust because those first three games when we were playing defense, and even if you want to talk about Michigan and Wichita as well, they, uh, they, were, they were playing for each other, and they were playing for, uh, uh, you know, to have a common goal of keeping the ball out of the net. So you got to stick with it and, uh, and keep trusting it. Last sort of topic as, as we head into this Seattle game, uh, the runner Rebels uh, come, come into this game, as you said, uh, maybe with the confidence uh, down a little bit. This is a team, when it's played well, everything has started with defense. Has that been kind of the focus going into tomorrow, that to use that as the springboard to get everything else going? Yeah, I mean, and as, you know, we talked throughout the summer and the spring, uh, you know, with being nine new guys or nine transfers, ten new guys, we just felt that the defense could have the the highest ceiling. Uh, it would be a lot tougher to go out there and run a bunch of uh, read and react sets offensively versus becoming a really solid, uh, strong defensive team. And um, and the guys compete at it. It's just, it defense is a lot like offense, though. You still gotta kind of read each other to an extent and, and kind of understand what guys are going to do. And uh, I think the more opportunities they get at it, they'll just continue to get better at it. And a final thought from uh, either you, Steve, Curtis, about uh, heading in tomorrow. Good, Curtis. Again, it's another chance, another opportunity to get out there. Like you said, Runner Rebel fans need to come out and support them. Get out to Mandalay Bay, Michelob Ultra Arena, get your tickets, come support the Rebels. Um, it's a long season. Still a long way to go. Marathon, not a sprint, no doubt about it. Uh, Seattle, good team, especially with perimeter players, right? Yeah, uh, leading scorers are their guards, and so their guards will know. they got their work cut out for them. they gotta got to keep in front and battle. See if the Rebels can get it done. That's tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, Michelob Ultra Arena. Runner Rebels against Seattle U. We'll have uh, Runner Rebel warm-up at 6.30 and the tip at 7 o'clock. want to thank uh, Nick Murphy for his great job engineering as usual. The folks here at Parkway Tavern for being our, our uh, temporary home. Ari. Uh, at our Learfield studios. And now for Steve, for Curtis, for Coach Kruger, this is John saying thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow night. Have a great evening, everybody.